Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are still knee deep in tech. This is episode 42. How about that significance? <laughs> it's it's the most important episode as of yet. As of yet. And we missed Towel Day by a few days as oh. today is May 28th. We really need to be better at that. Towel Days. T- towel Days or important days in general. Important days in general. Yeah, that's I, I true. I do think that we missed uh, International Penguin Day as well. I wouldn't necessarily say missed, but no, we did not record anything on that no. day. April 25th, for anyone listening and wants to celebrate penguins. Penguins. There you go. And moving from penguins to OneDrive. <laughs> Might have been the worst segue ever. Probably. Uh, there was a large SharePoint conference last week in Las Vegas. And when I say SharePoint, many people turns off the ears and just wait for me to say something interesting but remember that SharePoint is the foundation on which OneDrive relies Mm -hmm. so they introduced a number of significant news and we'll start with the most important one hang on now mixed reality for SharePoint and for all of you poor souls listening that don't see my face (laughs) Picture a very, very skeptical and surprised Alexander. Please do tell. I'll try to explain this in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. You will be able to visualize SharePoint libraries and SharePoint hubs using mixed reality headsets. The reason for this, and we'll open the blog post because I'll miss something if I don't. They actually have a couple of use cases for it. So recruitment and onboarding, learning and product development. So you could use it to create a virtual environment and use it for as an orientation rather than as I did the first day at Atea, getting the assignment read the internet. No, read the intranet. As I did say. Ah, I heard, read the internet, and I heard that's... I'm not done yet. Right. But I'm getting paid, so I'll keep just keep reading. Good one. Read the intranet. Mm -hmm. This could be a way to make it a bit more interactive, that you can combine documents, videos, and a virtual environment in a mixed reality view. And instead of reading a bunch of objects on a screen, you just move around in a virtual environment reading documents. Oh, so you actually take a geographic aspect of it as well when you physically move around and find different things in the SharePoint. Yeah, I think so. I also heard somewhere that they are looking into the ability to, instead of using a SharePoint library, use a virtual library and go and browse the shelves four documents interesting i see the use case i see the usage i do not see the value or at least a very limited value well i i would tend to agree with you but on the other hand i was one of the few people or not so few that didn't quite see the value in the ipad as either yeah and that one i had to eat many many times yeah so I like that someone is thinking outside the box. Yeah, and and 
it's a way to take something that we regard as highly two-dimensional mm-hmm. <laughs> and making it a bit more three-dimensional. I sure. Guess. The thing is, I um, I actually had a discussion about just SharePoint when I was in Munich just a couple of days ago. Yeah, you Ad- have a new sticker, which we will discuss later on. Yes, Azure Saturday in Munich. And we were pretty much in agreement that SharePoint, as long as you don't look behind the covers or under the covers, you're good. Yeah. Whatever you do, do not look at the code, the database design, or anything of that nature. If you just use the thing, it is awesome. It has come a long, long, long way. Yeah. And I'm actually, I, I had... The last couple of weeks, I've had a couple of workshops in regards to Microsoft 365 and Digital Workplace. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to make sense to me when you should use each respective workload. Cool. So I had a discussion last week in regards to Teams. Mm -hmm. So if you have a team, why would you use SharePoint? Yes. But in a way, it makes sense. You have a team. That's the way you share content and get new people in a project group or whatever. Yep. You have a SharePoint site that's created when you create the team. Mm-hmm. You can include that in one of the tabs in a team or in a channel. Right. That gives you the ability to give someone access to documents. That's the first level. Right. The second level is that you in SharePoint, which you can't do in OneDrive, can give explicit uh, rights or privileges to users. So you have access to all the documents but you can only read or write to some of them. Yes. And then you put on the last piece, which is Azure Information Protection, which gives the ability that, yes, you are able to read it, you're able to write to it, but you are not able to share it or download it. Correct. So if you want to add two more layers of security and really work with it as you would with a file structure on a server, Mm. makes a lot of sense. So I definitely see a future for SharePoint and it's included in everything and you're able to do a lot with it. As a framework, it's still going strong. Absolutely. The funny thing is that I had a bit of a discussion with a colleague just this morning when it comes to Teams and Power BI and how to give access to a Power BI report or a dashboard using Teams. And the most or least unintuitive answer... (laughs) is to put it in SharePoint and yep. use um, embedded, yep. Power BI embedded and, and premium to put it out there. So, oh yeah, we're, we're not, we haven't seen the last of SharePoint for quite a few decades, I'd say. Yeah. And moving on to the other thing they introduced with SharePoint is more AI driven. So like with Delve integrated with SharePoint. Right. But for OneDrive, they have quite a lot of very interesting features. Okay. The first thing, which is actually a question I get every single time. Mm -hmm. What happens when a user quits? Well, there are several answers to that question, (laughs) depending on if you've done your homework. Because if you haven't, I think the technical term is you're screwed. You used to be, sort of, kind of. Because previously, you as a manager... Mm to a person that lost its Office 365 license, for example, yep. got access to the OneDrive folder. Yep. Now they've introduced the ability to transfer ownership of OneDrives. Finally. Yep. And this is also a, a huge step for GDPR compliance. Yes. 
So that's wonderful. They've I'm an Android phone user now. I'm a bit ashamed of it still. I know. But they have now introduced support for external storage for OneDrive. So you can put the OneDrive on an SD card on your phone. Really? Yep. Which is brilliant. It is. And I think my phone supports two terabyte of SD storage. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. How much does your iPhone support? Oh, 64 gigs. I don't need anymore. <laughs> because you're using OneDrive. No, I'm not, because OneDrive on iOS sucks. No, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. The, 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 the main issue with the whole stack of stuff on iOS is that you cannot have more than one um, OneDrive or one uh, yep. OneNote. That's an issue. Yeah. And we also got automatic photos upload for Android, which also supports OneDrive for business, which it didn't use to. Is that like the photo thingy on iOS when you take a photo and boom, it's in the cloud? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. We also got some known folder move, which is brilliant. You can point your documents folder to OneDrive on Windows. Really? With an MDM policy now. And that's also a way to migrate those folders. Question, MDM policy. Can I do this to my own client? Yes. Oh, You will be able to. I didn't see when it's actually released, but you will be able to do that, yes. Okay. But this relies on back-end changes for SharePoint Online, correct? Yeah. Right. We also got new branding possibilities. So when you share a document, you get that share sharing email branded. Oh, nice. Which is good. Yep. And also better reporting for sharing. So which folders and files are shared in my tenant? Which and makes a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. It does yeah. indeed. And Speaking again of GDPR. Yeah. And you can now block download. So even if you have read and write access to a file, you can download it. You can only manage it in the cloud. And also password protection of sharing links. I like it. Yeah. So lots of new things happening. Um, do not underestimate the news value of SharePoint because that's also bringing a lot of news to OneDrive. True. Do you have any idea when this is to be released? I'll take a look. Um, you move on with something more interesting than this. Well, I just came back from Azure Saturday. Yeah, in, in Munich. In Munich, indeed. And uh, I, as I was told in very clear terms, Bavaria is not Germany. <laughs> uh, Bavaria is Bavaria. Then. Yes, very much so. I was almost got my head torn off. Yeah, I, I get that. But it was a, a very nice event. Uh, it was uh, very well run. Uh, Microsoft's um, Munich offices are amazing. Yep. And surprisingly alike Helsinki. Okay, yep. It's it's almost the exact same design in, in building. So that was fun. But I've come to realize that being a data platform guy or a database guy at a um, an event that is not specifically data platform is kind of weird. It's hard. It is hard. And I suddenly get why people feel the same way when they're not into data platform at data platform events. And that was that was humbling and that was something to definitely take into account in the future when I send in submissions. Yep. I can't rely on my standard submissions that are tailored for data platform audiences. They need to be tailored and somewhat twisted to fit 
whatever audience that I, I really need to focus on. So I've, it was a great audience. I had 20-ish people. We had great fun. Um, but yeah, it was it was something to keep in mind, be, yeah. be mindful of. And you got a nice sticker. I did get a nice sticker. And all this for giving my... Actually, it was the first time that I did yeah. a slightly tweaked... Uh, fourth, uh, fourth awakens. <laughs> Force awakens. Yeah. The um, Azure SQL DBA for the on-prem. Uh, Azure SQL database for the on-prem DBA. Yep. And that was fun. Yep. Uh, according to um, these features for Wonder will roll out in the next few months. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think I think that session is really valuable for people that feel that, like the cloud is there to steal their jobs from them. that That's not true. Both, both for people that are afraid to lose their jobs, because as you just pointed out, they're not going to, they're, they're not about to. And they're, the main point that I try to make, which was not necessarily as clear in the delivery as it was in my head, <laughs> Uh, also something to keep in mind is that if you try to do with Azure SQL Server as you've done with on-prem SQL databases for 20 years, you are destined for failure. Things doesn't work the same way because you're not supposed to use it in the same way. So you need to think outside the box in a whole new way. And as my session evolves, I'll try to get more of this information into the session to explain what I mean by think outside the box. Yeah, sounds good. Speaking of that, you had a quite famous keynote speaker. We did. We had the honor of having Donovan Brown as the keynote speaker or the guy that just rubs some DevOps on everything and it just becomes perfect. Yeah. And that was a real eye-opener. He told us in the keynote about the uh, DevOps transformation journey that Microsoft was on and is still on and how he helped turn a monolithic way of, of shipping stuff like every 18 months to something new every three weeks. Yep. It was very, very interesting to listen to and I very much enjoy someone that talks about how they did things. Not necessarily this is the way you can do things, but this is the way we did things. This didn't work out. This worked out very well. And why? And so on and so forth. Yeah, so two questions. First of all, you or someone else asked the question in regards to how to do DevOps on databases. Yes, someone else did. Yeah. Uh, before you answer that, and the second one, the key takeaways of the DevOps talk. You can choose in which order you answer the questions. I'll go with, with the, the database one. And basically what they're doing even today is that they are changing the database and changing the data at each um, development cycle on the fly. They are doing seriously real DevOps to a database. Yep. And his answer to the question, how do you do this, was this is fiendishly difficult to explain and, and um, to think of. But he's going to sit down with one of his team that is specialized in doing DevOps on databases. They're going to produce a, uh, a video yep. on, and breaking it down exactly. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is the way we think about data. 
and how to apply uh, this to, to a change. And the key takeaway is that if you're not doing DevOps and you're not thinking of doing DevOps, you're going to be unemployed. Probably. You're basically dead in the water. It is the only way to adequately get your stuff out there. And my key takeaway point was get your quality into the product from the get-go. Yep. Don't try to bolt on quality as he put it yep. you need to figure out a way to get this inside the the development cycle yep. all the way you aren't stronger than your weakest link exactly if there's something in your code or in your infrastructure or whatever that's not of the quality you would like to deliver nothing will be no in the end. go go back and fix it and i'll ha actually have a talk on this later this week mm -hmm. at an internal event uh, or external ones but arranged by atea right where I put DevOps in the perspective of the modern workplace. Right. Because that that's the culture of DevOps is something you can apply to anything. Exactly. And you need to apply to anything. It's not just about code. It's not just about automation and ginormous workloads. You can apply it to anything. That is a very, very important takeaway. And as you put it, it's it's the the idea the the mindset that is important everything else is yep. just applications of this mindset yeah look at it as the, the dev in devops and i'll probably explain this better on thursday but the dev is be inspired by how developers have done this for a couple of years now mm. and apply it to the operations side of things yep and be very very cognizant of the fact that devs and ops people the divide is going away. Yep. We already need to be very uh, careful with how much we work together. Yep. And it's going to be more and more in the future. And I think that the whole divide between dev and ops, it's its basically going away. Yep. It's different kinds of code. It is. And the, it's quite interesting how this reflects the discussion we had at the uh, the panel on the Global yep. Azure Bootcamp. We should have recorded that really because we, it was a very good discussion. Yeah. It was. Yep. Let's let's keep that in mind for next time. Yep. Okay. And speaking of which, you are going to the um, the event called Bootcamp. Yes, Atea Bootcamp. And I'm going to Intelligent Cloud in Copenhagen. I'm leaving actually this afternoon. Yep. Um, so I'll have three talks. One se session. Three talks. Wow. Yeah. One one session on DevOps one roundtable discussion on Windows as a service, and one discussion panel uh, on um, hybrid workplace. Hybrid workplace? Yeah, so we're talking a lot about hybrid data centers, but we now also get into the hybrid workplace where you'll have some devices that runs completely on the internet outside of your organization, some that needs that heavy lifting that you use Config Manager for, and some of them will be in between and how to get the same good user experience regardless of how you manage your device and where it resides so how do you need to think about things like printing file access on servers application access on servers that are still on-prem or in the cloud cool and and the challenges and benefits that you get from looking at the workplace as hybrid as well do you think that these sessions are going to be recorded? No, they usually aren't. Too bad, because I'd very much like to hear that. I I think this is 
in a way even more interesting than cold hard tech yep. because this influences the way people think yep. and <laughs> the the old adage a penny of prevention is worth a pound of, of cure yep. in medicine is very much applicable here if you can keep people from painting themselves into a corner early on it's going to be way less footprints in in the wet paint yeah and this this event that our employer is arranging is actually quite interesting it's 600 cios or the equivalent that meet up uh, in the west coast of sweden yeah this is the the high level people yeah and and people are usually very interactive and 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 the sessions aren't supposed to be technical mm. at all which is as fun as it is challenging exactly but you meet a lot of people that you may not be able to meet in other circumstances uh, like ceos of sweden's largest corporations and largest public customers yeah it's kind of hard to just find yourself in a spot where you rub shoulders with all of them and, yep. and everybody's talking yep. and that's uh, exactly as you said everybody is talking yeah I've heard more than once that people say we're going to boot camp not necessarily for the sessions, but we want to meet our peers. Yeah, and that that's essential today, which I usually tell. I've I've met customers now the last couple of weeks that are afraid of what's happening to their workplace, digital workplace, and want help with that. And I I say I can help you some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, my organization can help you part of the way as well, mm-hmm. but you really need to get to know other organizations in the same situation as yourselves yeah, and exchange knowledge because you, you, you can't do this on your own. It's like everyone has been saying in, in our business for years, you can't invent a wheel every time. And it's the same for our customers. Absolutely. And one of our main goals as a company, in my view, is that we enable our customers to interact and, and meet other customers. Yeah. We work as a, a hub, yeah. if you will. Exactly. I think that's definitely the future. I mean, on one hand, if we screw up as a company, you know, everybody's going to know that yeah. since they work together. On the other hand, if we help people find ideas and, and solutions in other companies and, and other clients, then we really add value. Yeah, exactly. Cool. It's not, it's not wrong to recommend someone else if they do the job better. No, 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 no. I mean, it's all about respect. And in the end, I'm pretty sure that we're going to have that client back. Yep. Because he knows or she knows that, okay, these guys, they are not fucking around. They say what they mean. Yep. And speaking of saying what they mean, I'm going to do Sequel Server Hates You. Yep. Again. Again. I think this is the seventh time, actually. <laughs> uh, that was but a it's a great session. It's fun. It is fun. It is yep. a lot of fun. And I'm actually presenting this at 7.30 in yep. in the evening. And after my session at 9, we're going to watch Solo, a Star Wars story on the big screen. Have you seen it yet? Of course I have. Yeah, yeah. sorry. But so how was it? I loved it. You loved it? Yes. It is very linear. It is very simplistic. Yep. It is basically the... Um, Star Wars version of Duplo Leo. <laughs> but it's okay. You it's very entertaining. And that's it. Yeah. And it's Star Wars. Yeah. Everybody's happy. So you have the same feeling but it's a, it's a simple script. 
it is a very simple script and and very basic in that way but there are quite a few surprises and yeah. quite a few very surprising actor uh, appearances and 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 um way of people way way of acting but it it does connect to the other movies in a way that you as a star wars extraordinaire gets it, it it's it's true to the star wars saga it is true to the star wars saga i i have the same issues with this as i have with basically all the the prequels and and middle quails and whatever you call them <laughs> the um, the screenwriters have a tendency to invent new stuff where there is already a lot of established lore there is yeah. no point in doing it and as a star wars aficionado i see it and i go why did you have to do that but as a, a normal not so star wars damaged person you're just gonna go oh cool that works yep so it is not bad it is just not necessarily the way that i would do it yep all right so we, we need to mention i think we do yeah we, we the elephant to. in the room gdp elephant the blue whale the blue whale yeah the yeah gdpr yeah uh, the the rotting blue whale so <laughs> we've had the oh my gdpr day <laughs> we certainly have i did see uh um a text somewhere at some of the major magazines where it said how many billions of dollars that facebook and google already have been sued for 8.8 yeah i think or was it 88 yeah it is just an insane amount yeah and actually that's something that i the workshop i had last friday we had a microsoft attendee on that and he showed there's actually a web page where you as a individual can sign up for a very very small fee enter your your personal like your name your address and so on and the service the page provides is that it will send a request to get all your information to about 10,000 different organizations really so it's it's spam as a service mm-hmm. but you also will get the ability to ask them to send this to all the organizations and ask them to remove everything they have on you yes but anyways and it's it's nothing it's like Fifteen dollars. I'm gonna. To I'm gonna have to look at that. Yeah. So yeah, and and that's that's what I've been claiming that the first weeks or months now, this will all be about everyone requesting information from every single one and trying to sue every organization they can find. You know, and in a way, it's a good way to try and see if you are compliant, if you have your processes in place. But it's it will cost the society. A huge amount of money. Do you think it's worth it in the end? <sighs> yeah, I, I would say so. I guess there are people struggling with some parts that it will solve. But I wonder if they've done this a bit too fast, and it it, it, it it's a bit blunt, too. <laughs> a bit blunt, the yeah. guy said. Yeah, I would. I that is a very good way of putting it. Yeah, and. I, I'd have to agree that I th- I think it's a good thing in the end, yeah, too. Yeah, of course it is. It's going to be painful to get there in the yeah. end. True. And we, we won't get there until we have had years of, like, sentences and whatever. Uh, like, they, they need to try this in, in court 
in every single country. Yep. And and ensure that it gets to the the European Union's high court or whatever the mm. name is of it. Uh, before it's it's actually settling in. True. True. But, Interesting. Yeah, but you actually had a couple of sequel related GDPR I did. I did. Um, news. They are. I wouldn't say they're news, but they're applicable to GDPR. Yes, definitely. For instance, there is something called the SQL Data Discovery and Classification Tool oh. that came out in in February, yep. I think, and it's a new tool built into the SQL Server Management Studio for discovering, classifying, labeling, and reporting on sensitive data such as business or yep. healthcare or whatever kind of data you have. And it's built in, as I said, into the SSMS. You just right-click on a database, go to Tasks, Classify Data. And it's going to give you a lot of information that can help you in finding if you have anything in here that falls under GDPR. This could be a very stupid question. But I, I get the discovery part. You, uh -huh. you probably, if 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 you ask it, discover data for me or whatever, you will get back. Yeah, we we have seen that these kind of tables, rows, whatever, includes some data that may be sensitive. Mm -hmm. But on what level does it classify data? Uh, it's not that clever, honestly. No, it, it, it would it be just interesting say... because that would probably slow down it quite a bit to have a classification added to every single piece of information in the database. Yeah, yes and no. If, if you do this as a one-time thing, yep. sure, you're going to have a bearer of a work going through all the data and, and updating it, but you're not looking at something that is run in line. Nope. But we're basically just looking at what kind of... Is it is it a, a phone number? Is it an email? Yep. Uh, is this sensitive by the definition of gdpr or not is it confidential or not yep. and i it's it's a best effort tool it is not the do it all tool no, and it's based on a microsoft classification engine or can you tweak it to suit your no needs no no, no tweaking no tweaking i tell no you tweaking. but it gives you a sql data classification report and no tweaking and no peaking and no twerking <laughs> and it <laughs> gives you <laughs> information type like contact info or name or whatever and and, and and you get that at a database level at a database level yes yeah. so this database that could be two terabytes includes a piece of personal information somewhere yes how do you find that later on oh you get a, a um, report uh, it's basically a um, html report and you have the schemas, you have the tables, they have your columns, and then you have what kind of information you're okay, looking at yep, and yep. sensitive label. Yeah, so you can go in and, and wipe it out or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yep. thi this is more to actually find and, and get rid of this. No, I don't think I have anything in it. Yep. Darn, I did. Because, <laughs> yeah. I think that in many cases, GDPR is going to hit people that did not think all the way the hardest. Yep. The oh shit people. Yep. And on that bombshell, this was a very quick week. Yep. We have a lot more to cover that we won't have time to cover. Nope. Because I'm going to Copenhagen and you're going home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going home. I'm going home to prepare for... I'm actually doing a course on Microsoft infrastructure tomorrow. I heard. How many hours did that for that? 
for three hours. Yeah. So Microsoft, <laughs> the, the the entire Microsoft infrastructure stack in three hours. I actually won't be able to do that, but really? I'll have three more days to do it later on. Yeah. So About twelve that. hours to cover the entire Microsoft infrastructure, including PowerShell and cloud. Yeah, we're a bit. Of, we're gonna have an app now, so Simon can go home and and sulk. <laughs> well, it was very nice having you here. Thank you for listening, and take care. Bye. Bye.